Oh, so even when I got the call from Beyonce and Jay-Z, of course I'm going to fly back and do Beyonce and Jay-Z's baby shower. Are you sick? I canceled my gig in Amsterdam. <laughs> I started DJing at 1 o'clock, and I left at 10.30. So, like, when I was leaving, she was just like, oh, thank you so much for DJing. She was like, I was supposed to be sitting down, but you had me on my feet all day. And I was just like... Yes, it's my job. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean that that compliment right there that just made my whole year. I could I could I could go to sleep until 2018. Hot breath. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know what time it is. Hot breath. Oh. <gasps> This is, of course, your favorite podcast, and I am, of course, your favorite host, Joel Byers, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Joel Byers, and welcome to the Hot Breath of Verse. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Holy, holy, you can afford not to listen to this Hot Breath episode. Everybody knows word sorry i tried to do a little freestyle based on today's guest some of you may be tuning in for the first time to check out this interview really rare interview with my guest he hasn't done many interviews but he told me he quotes respects my hustle so he sat down with me and all my old faithful hot breath of verse out there welcome back you know what time it is another dope 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 interview in the books the dude I interviewed today, we actually linked up about three years ago. We uh, recorded this thing for Bossip TV. He was the DJ, and I was one of the comics on the taping. And we just linked up, and then three years later, look at us now. We're sitting down together, and I'm so genuinely honored and feel privileged that he was willing to sit down for such a long time and really allow me to just ask every question under the sun about... Atlanta music and the history and Atlanta's reputation and what it's like working with Dave Chappelle and not only working, but DJing, setting the tone for his shows and just traveling the world. It's, it's truly been an amazing, amazing journey this dude's been on and I'm so happy we were able to capture it here on Hot Breath and I'm so happy you were willing to sit down and take the time to listen to it. So shout out to you for supporting this podcast. If you want to Know more about me if you're not familiar with old Joel B. I highly recommend if you enjoy this podcast, you're going to love everything else I got going on. Just head over to my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. On there, you'll be able to find a link to my schedule. I host a show every single Wednesday at Java Monkey in Decatur, Georgia. If you're in the area, it's a free show. Come on out. I'm hosting live, doing my comedy skills. On here, you're hearing my pod skills. Come see my joke skills over at Java Monkey on Wednesdays. Or if you'd like to learn from my joke skills, I teach a comedy class, eight-week comedy class over at Highwire Comedy Company. If you're interested, if you're a comedian that wants to up their game or a comedy fan just wanting to learn more about the craft, definitely there's a link for my website. Or you can go to highwirecomedy.com. The next round starts July 9th. We meet every Sunday. So I would love to have you out there. And of course... If you can't really quite make the commitment 
maybe to the class yet. You know what? I wrote a book as well. I designed a book with Dr. Robert Joseph from MIT and Carnegie Mellon. We designed a, a comedy book that's supposed to really help you break through writer's block, help you get organized, help you really generate new material, and help you actually measure the success of that material so you actually learn at a faster rate. So I'm super proud of that. We just had a new order come in because we knocked out our initial order. So if you're interested, it's linked on my website as well under shop, or you can go to comicsplaybook.com, get a direct link to it there. But definitely if you're a comedy fan or just a curious comedian, definitely check it out. The cover was done by, of course, Comedy Artwork, who's done all my artwork. If you want some dope artwork, hit him up on social media at Comedy Artwork. He'll take care of you. But I'm here to take care of you throughout the rest of this hot breathisode, ladies and gentlemen, hot brethren and sisterain. We have arrived. Oh, yes, we have arrived. I'm so excited about this. Truly a legend in not only comedy, but music in general. Ugh, so dope. Let's, let's ride. Let's roll the tape, okay? Roll the tape. Speed. Are you ready? You guys ready out there? Awesome. Well, you know then that there's only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath. With DJ Trauma. The uh, the blues. <laughs> That's half the battle, right? Absolutely. As long as it looks hot. And uh, got you a water as well, just in case you want a souvenir for the occasion. <laughs> Think we're ready to rock here. <laughs> you ready for this? Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for sitting down with me, man. I know we're chilling here at the Mandarin yep. as you're in town with um no no big deal. Just Dave Chappelle at the yeah, Tabernacle. Just, just just Dave Chappelle. You know. Just Dave Chappelle. Just been touring around the world with Dave Chappelle. No big deal there. You know, just the number one comedian in the world. <laughs> And like According the number the one DJ in the world, man. Like there it is. You've got the. It, you're no like. Uh, what would the word be? I was gonna say slim chicken. I don't know what that is though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you're no chump yourself. Ah, uh, you know. I you know. Do a little something, something. But it's funny how like it's full circle. You're actually the first time you ever worked with Chappelle was actually at the Tabernacle, right? Absolutely. Literally, it's almost exactly four years ago. Wow. It was in June of 2014. 13 but you're not just you're not just because now you've worked with oddball like yeah, you've almost oddball. become like almost like the comedian dj yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's kind of funny because i was always just on the music scene and um i just happened to get lucky to dj for dave and then this whole world of comedy kind of came my way <laughs> so it's, it's been definitely interesting because honestly i was just so into music i never really knew that much about comedy so it's like now i even have a monthly show at the at the comedy store that that we that we throw 
Um, I DJ. Obviously, I don't. I'm not a comedian, so <laughs> you'll never catch me on the microphone. But you know, I uh, DJ, uh-huh. and uh, my partner Sarah Mello, we we put the show together. I was gonna say, have you ever tried stand up before? Never. I, I, never. I would never even think about it. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> well, it's all right. We couldn't DJ either, so it's it's mutual. You know, some people try, but. But what do you think it was about you that uh, made Chappelle be like, I got to take this dude around the world? I mean, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I am a pretty good DJ. Yeah, I do want to preface that question with I know that you have toured the world before Chappelle even came along. Like you you had the credibility before this even happened. But I just want to know, like, what makes you different from the other DJs? I I think one is I pay attention to what, Cause you know, technically, you know, still, I mean, we're cool and we're buddies and you know, but I'm, he's still like my client. So I pay attention to what he likes, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you know, I, I see what he likes and then I play it, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So, (laughs) I mean, I kind of had a broad idea of the vibe that of music that he'd like because, um, of his show. But, you know, I played, so I played a lot of that. But then, you know, as I got to know him, he listens to so many different things. And so I think that's one reason. Two is because, I mean, I'll pull out my laptop at any occasion and just get on and we'll throw a party at any spot, (laughs) at any time, at any location. You know what I mean? So I think he appreciates that. and, And, like, he appreciates that no matter what the crowd is, no matter, he's always like, how do you know? what's going to be hot in these places. And I was just like, that's my job. <laughs> and then threes, I was persistent. I kept calling like, you sure you don't need me for something? You sure you don't need me? I think oh, I could get on. And okay. then boom. So that persistence. He was just like, yeah, let's just do this all the time. <laughs> cool. So you did it a couple times and then hit him up like, hey man, if you need anything, you just yeah. kind of stayed in his ear. Yeah. Or okay. really like his tour manager. Um, Cause really, he's the one who who hires the talent. So Cena, I would call Cena like, "Hey, you know, see you guys on the road. If you ever need me, let me know." Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, that that uh, crazy Connecticut show, I had the boo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I called and they were just like, I mean, I just ran. I, I was in the studio and I was talking to somebody and they brought up his name and I was just like. Let me just call his man. I'm gonna call Cena and see what's up. He was like, "Can you come tomorrow?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and literally, like, I flew to Pittsburgh the next day, and like I like like you said before, like I've toured and I've done big shows, arena shows, stadium shows, so I wasn't intimidated. It was twenty thousand people, so I just went in there and just rocked it, and mm-hmm. it, it just makes like what happens when I spin the crowd. We're like aligned on the same energy, you know what I mean? It's Dave, like everybody's like, is feeling good. You know what I'm saying? I try to make people like, you know, come out of their shell. Cause a lot of times they've been working all day or if it's a, like, it was an oddball festival and it was a long show. So they've been sitting there probably from like five o'clock. It was hot. It was, it was like 80 degrees outside. So it's like, when I come on, I realign people to being like, okay, we're going to be focused on Dave. We're going to have fun. Everybody's energy is the same. And so when I, I came and rocked it, like he walked on and the crowd was so warm. Everybody's standing, standing over, you know, they're already standing from dancing with me. So it's just, I just create a vibe that, that allows him to be the best that he is. 
And there are so many parallels people may not realize between DJing and doing stand-up. You know, yeah, you got to make sure that the crowd is happy. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have a Do you have a set list, or are you able to just freestyle it now? It just depends. Um, I mean, like when I do my hype set, I usually put the songs I want in order. You know, mm -hmm. I change them around, but I usually kind of because it, you know I'm changing songs fast, and I just want to keep a high energy. So I kind of plan that out. But like when I open the show for him, I usually just kind of freestyle it and play play whatever I feel, look at the crowd, see what they would be into. And I also try to play a, a big range of music, especially because Dave's fan base, they're all types of people. There's so many different types of people. So I try to give a little bit of everything so it's like people know that this show is for them. They feel welcome. They're like, oh, he's playing my joint. You know what I'm saying? So I try to, like I said, my job is to like get everybody on the same page, align everybody's energy to like enjoy Dave. Are his shows always different or does he have a set list he usually pulls from? Yeah, his shows are always different. Yeah, he just goes. I mean, he has material, but a lot of times he'll do them in different orders. He'll pull different jokes from this, from, from different places, like old jokes he'll just bring back. Um, also... He talks to the crowd, especially when he's working on new material. Mm -hmm. He'll talk to the crowd, and cause mm. you never know what somebody will say, and it'll like spark a whole bit. So, I think that's one of his uh, one of his his gifts. That and he's so witty, he's so quick that even just talking with the audience, they'll say crazy things. He can come back right away mm -hmm. and with a dope joke. And uh, I think that's like his. That's what makes him so special. Technology has also had a big effect on comedy and DJing. Absolutely. And like, I, I will admit, you know, I was I was a virtual DJ for a minute, and then I was like, <laughs> I can't even mix this. <laughs> so I tried to, and I, like when I would go to comedy shows, I'd talk to the DJ and be like, Yeah, I've been playing around with virtual DJ, and they're like, What virtual DJ? You know, like it's because I mean, there is a craft to it, I guess. I mean, because and there, there are comedians who look at internet comedians are like, that's not real comedy. What's it like in the DJ world? Um, I think that if if you can rock the crowd, then you are a DJ. But the thing is, mm. if you don't understand the science of it, you might not be able to consistently rock the crowd for any crowd. And there's a science to it. You know what I mean? Can you break that down? What the science of DJing? Yeah, just mix. I mean, we will take mixing for for example. When you, especially for a crowd that's dancing, there's a certain way to you want to keep a, a consistent energy, and it's not just that the songs are the same BPM. The way the instruments play, the vibe of the song, you want that that um, you know that matters. So I'm sure you've been to a club where. The music, you're like, you're hype, and then all of a sudden, just the energy gets low, and you're like, what the hell is he playing? Yep. <laughs> and then he'll come back because he sees the crowd is, is, is fading away. Then he'll try to come back with a hit, but you know, a good DJ kind of will keep the energy, the same, and then when he wants to accentuate it and create something, an extra hype moment, then he he can do that as well. I mean, that's just one, that's just one little nugget. Yeah. These kids don't understand the crate days, I guess. They definitely don't. And I don't miss them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I never will talk shit about technology <laughs> because I love Serato. <laughs> I spent many, many, many 
back-breaking moments carrying crates. Don't miss it at all. How many crates would you have to like carry into a show? I, I would usually bring about seven to eight crates plus maybe two record bags. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Was this back when you were doing it in the cafeteria? I mean, I, that, I, I was back in the cafeteria. I, I was on radio for 10 years, and that was pretty much almost before they brought Serato. So Man. I, I used to have a new music show on Sundays, every, every Sunday, which was four hours, and I played a lot of new music. So it wasn't even the records that were in my normal crates. There would always be like new stuff all the time. So then mm -hmm. I would bring an additional probably four crates just for that show on top of my regular crates. So I used to go to the radio station. It used to be ridiculous. <laughs> and this was in Atlanta, right? Yeah, this was I like, was on Hot, yeah. Hot 107.9 for 11 years. And then I moved I moved over to V103. I'm on V103 since two, for five years already. Wow. What brought you down to Atlanta from New York? I came down here for college. Came down here for college and then, you know. Oh, at Clark? I was, yeah, I went to Clark, cool. Atlanta. Um, and I stayed. At, at that time, Atlanta was just bubbling for that movement that was about to happen. I came in, came to Atlanta in 91. So, but like 94, Outkast just popped off. You know, was, Atlanta was just the place to be. Um, the music scene was just bubbling, producers, writers, the scene was, the Face Records had 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 just started like, probably like right before I got here. So then you got Outkast popping off, you got Usher, TLC, Goody Mob, I mean, just to name a few, it was just like the scene was the same. All out of Atlanta. All of all out of Atlanta. And, and like LaFace Records being there was kind of like the birth of the Atlanta sound out, breaking out of Atlanta. So it, Atlanta has such an influence on hip hop now, but that's been the case like since the early 90s? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say in the 90s, those acts kind of made, put Atlanta on the map. And then I say in the 2000s, you started to have like the little Johns and the who else, Ludacris's, and all those people who are selling million. You know that they kind of put the stranglehold. Then you get the Futures and the Gucci's and the Jeezy's and the, it's like after that it just started. Just we started dominating. Honestly, <laughs> like if you listen to hip hop now, everything's from Atlanta. Why 90, do you think that is? You I say mean, we were to say ninety percent of hip hop is probably Atlanta now. On the radio, for sure. Wow. You know, think about it. Maybe the only person not from Atlanta is Drake. <laughs> Jeez, man. What, what is and it Kendrick. about Atlanta? Yeah, and I guess like Chance. And I'm just saying like the, the sound, though, that, that feel mm -hmm. is an Atlanta sound that's dominate hip-hop. Just like just like in the 80s and, and most of the 90s, it was a New York sound, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. that dominated hip-hop. Um, you had the West Coast that did their thing, but if, when you look at most of hip-hop at that time, it was coming from New York. I mean, I think that... Uh, Every city has their turn, and, and I feel like Atlanta music started to speak to the youth, and, and then they kind of took over. To the youth, that's the secret. You got to get the young. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like you think about somebody who's 18, they don't know anything but that sound. You know, they don't, mm -hmm. they don't really know the old school New York sound or the West Coast sound necessarily. They just know what's hot now. So, and I mean, it's just the vibes. Atlanta just... That 808, you know, the, the the bass, I think that 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 has a lot to do with it. That. Well, you you um you rise in the ranks amongst like the 
the outcasts and the the goody mobs how do you feel about the music that's coming out of atlanta now you know the thing about atlanta man we have so much talent um there's so many things coming out of atlanta not just the mainstream stuff that you hear so i think like i like the stuff coming out the migos that they hot like you know they would have they would have won no matter when they came out Mm -hmm. so i think that the atlanta scene is is in good hands what is it like in the because there's it seems like now the dj used to be the premium but it almost seems like the producer is almost kind of like taking over like zaytoven and metro boomin like it seems like they're kind of the ones getting more of the attention now uh i mean i feel like producers were always getting attention you always had like a premiere you had a pete rock you had all these big producers i think that now really why the dj isn't as prominent as it used to be is because people get their music in other places rather than going to the club or going Hmm. listening to radio um whereas in the 80s and 90s if you wanted to hear new music you had to go to a club and listen to a dj you had to maybe listen to a radio show that was playing the new music so the the dj's uh influence was a lot more dominant whereas now you could just go on spotify is whoever the hot person whose playlist that has a big following they're they're influencing mm-hmm. who's listening to music a lot more than the dj necessarily unless the dj himself has a big following what's the dj vibe like like behind the scenes are you guys kind of you guys are like all support each other or can it be like a little competitive I mean, cutthroat it just depends i mean if, <laughs> i think everybody because i mean at the no matter what, like any job, like there's only a, f- a f- certain amount of slots and those premium slots and those those premium parties, those, there's, the slots are even fewer. So you're always in competition. But I think that, you know, especially here in Atlanta, uh, the DJ the DJ culture is a lot more friendly than in some other places that I've seen. Because, um, I mean, especially when you get to a certain level, it's just like there's always going to be another party. It doesn't It doesn't make sense to like do, you know, to to talk bad about somebody else it's, it's not gonna get you anywhere you know how many there's so many gigs that i get because somebody referred me yeah because they couldn't do it you say there's a lot of parties but there's only one kevin hart birthday party <laughs> and then you get didn't you just get you know, to spin I, that i did i did that's what he uh <laughs> proposed to his uh to his wife actually i think it was her birthday what oh it was her birthday i think it was her birthday and okay then he pr- proposed and you were spinning that night, yeah, setting the mood for yeah, you know, Kevin Hart proposal. I made him. I, I gave him. I gave, I gave him the vibes. You know, what I mean? <laughs> did he ask you to play a certain anything certain while he was gonna do that? No, nah, I think he stopped the music. <laughs> he was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that was that party was crazy. And then we went to Magic City, and he probably threw out like twenty thousand dollars. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> he had a he had a. Had a, a a duffel bag full of ones. Were you ever a, a strip club DJ? I was never a strip. You club never DJ. did that. Never. You always just in the radio. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. I'm from New York City. I was always like a club kid. I, I've been going to clubs since I was 16, so that was just more my lane. Mm-hmm. Didn't you? Didn't you also do a Jay Z and Beyonce's baby shower? I did. I did the other day. Matter of fact. <laughs> I had to, this is a crazy story. Crazy. I I was already booked for a gig in Amsterdam and I was in Bangkok 
Um, so I ended up flying 25 hours to Bangkok doing a show with Estelle. I landed like that morning, went to soundcheck. Then I was like, well, I'm in Bangkok. I can't, this is my first time there. I got to see something. So we drove around the city to a couple of places, went home, took a nap, did the show, went straight from the show to the airplane, to, to the airport, flew another 25 hours back and went straight to soundcheck at the baby shower. <laughs> <laughs> insane it was an insane couple of days like but when i got that call it's like of course i'm gonna fly back and do beyonce and jay-z's baby shower are you sick i canceled my gig in amsterdam <laughs> and i was i was just like uh, even when i told them i was like uh i hate to do this to you but um I'm not coming. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, why? And I, they're like, what was going on? I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do Jay-Z and Beyonce's birth baby show. They were like, oh, okay. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. What can you say? <laughs> what, what is, what is that? What is that like? I mean, that's pretty that's like royalty is who you're working for yeah, there. I mean, I was just, you know, I was just blessed that everything worked out. Like I had did her cousin's birthday and rocked it and they had a good time. So they just, they hit her up and like, yo, what's up with, what's up with trauma? Can you do it? And they called me and I dropped everything I had going on. Like, hell yeah. I guess it's just, it's just normal for you now though. Like I'm like, oh my gosh. Nah, you're that's like, not you normal. Know, it's a Tuesday. Man, that's not normal. You get that call, I don't care what DJ you, uh -huh. I don't know how, I don't care how big you are of a DJ, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm doing that. I mean, they're the biggest, there is. Yeah, I mean that's it. A billion dollar couple. Yeah, exactly. What is it like? How does how is music received around the world? Because you have American music and you understand, but how does it translate? Or do you do other music? Because you're everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about it is like people come to see what you do, but if you take the time to sprinkle a little bit of what they do, they just they'll just love you. You know what I mean? Like I've been to Africa. I mean, they paid for me to play my set, but you know, I'm dropping a bunch of Nigerian records and they just, they're like, holy shit, how did you know that? <laughs> they're just like going crazy. Like we were in Kenya. I was in Kenya with Omarion last week and there's like a DJ break. And so like the first record I drop is like a, a, a record that's super big out there in Kenya and they went, crazy like i dropped like the first three records back to back of like uh -huh. the big hits there and they just just going insane and then i dropped all i do is win by dj khaled and then they just went they was just went bonkers and then you know so it's like that those little sprinkles of 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 magic is what separates you from everybody else how do you know those songs research research I mean, I would say at least 40% of my job is research, finding songs, finding remixes that are gonna apply to whatever party I'm doing. Like the reason why I keep getting the call from, hold on real quick. Okay. Hello? Hello? Oh my God. Did you just get spammed? Even when DJ I, Trauma I, <laughs> gets spammed. When I looked at the message, I thought it was my house here in Atlanta. I still have a house out here. It looked like the number from there. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so even when I got the call from Beyonce and Jay-Z, one of the reasons why they liked 
but I played is because I played all the like New Orleans and Houston music that they like. Can't get that in LA. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate because I lived in Atlanta. I, I was exposed to a lot of that. And I DJ in, a, in, in New Orleans like every summer at Essence Festival. So I have like a catalog of those songs. So I went and just dropped all the hot songs like that and then stuff from Houston. And they were just like, yo. <laughs> at least Beyonce was. Jay-Z probably was just like, okay. But Beyonce, you know what I'm saying? Like those are the, those little nuggets is what separates you from everybody else. Did they say anything? To, did they like come up to you and be like, yo, you're playing the... When I, when I, this was like the best compliment ever. Like I was walking out of the uh, party and, uh, you know, first of all, I started DJing at one o'clock and I left at 1030 and I didn't realize that the party was at their crib. So they were just chilling. So I was like, if they're still here, I'm still DJing. <laughs> so like when I was leaving, she was just like, oh, thank you so much for DJing. She was like, I was supposed to be sitting down, but you had me on my feet all day. And I was just like, yes, it's my job. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, that, that compliment right there, that just made my whole year. I, I, could, I could go to sleep until 2018. <laughs> what are some other moments you've had like that in your career? Ooh, let's see. I don't even know. I mean, Dave, whenever Dave, like when we rock a, a really great show and he gives him a compliment, that, that means the world to me because we've been doing a lot of stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just can't think of anything specific at this moment, but it's just so many parties. But, you know, I can't think of anything specific. That one sticks out. I think I always the remember that. Queen B. Saying you had me dancing the whole time. Right. <laughs> That's it. Let me ask you from a, um, a fan perspective that I think all DJs will appreciate this question. But if you're at a club and somebody comes up and requests a song, mm-hmm. is, that, is that just like, come on, dude, relax? I, I don't really mind it as long as they are kind of respectful of my process of when I'm spinning. Like, I hate when people are like tapping you and, mm-hmm. you know, keep and keep harassing you like while you're doing something but you know if somebody asks for a uh, request I mean you never know how that will change somebody's day if if I can if it's not something ridiculous if I could work it in I will because you know you never know what playing a song for somebody can change somebody's whole vibe for the night and you know make their day when they had a hard week so you know I don't mind requests as long as they're respectful of me. That is what I love about music is the language of music because doing stand-up, there is still a language barrier. You know, like you mm-hmm. can really only perform when there's English, you know, True. but music is like this universal language and it's very powerful. Absolutely, because I've definitely been places where people did not know any English and they're just partying and singing all the words and I'm just like, but y'all can't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but there's like Spanish songs that I know the like I could know the words or I like that I can't speak a lick of Spanish <laughs> at all. But I like the music and I like the vibes. So yeah, it is a universal language. Like the Macarena. Macarena. <laughs> no, not, not that whack nah, music. I don't know about that one, but like, you know, <laughs> give me some Daddy Yankee or something. We'll be rocking. We're talking about the good right now, you know, but everybody has the bad as well. And the question I always ask people on here is an epic failure. You know, especially with comedians, I'll ask them about getting booed on stage. 
what is like what is one of those experiences like for DJ trauma? I think most of my epic failures are probably been from not being prepared, honestly. Mm. Just being like, fuck it, I'm just gonna roll in here and freestyle it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't and you can't do that. I mean, especially at this point. I mean, I've been DJing for so long, like I could probably do that most of the time, but sometimes I, you know, sometimes, I mean, a lot of, you need to be prepared, you know what I'm saying? You need to be practiced, you need to be on point. And I've definitely had a couple of places where I've just, I haven't been on point and I was just like, damn it. Because a lot of times it's like, you have to create a vibe and when you're not, like when you don't do that research, it's hard to connect with people. So is there a boo story? Have you ever been booed or even even if something just goes epically wrong? I think I I, I was with Dave one time and I said the wrong city. <laughs> <laughs> I said the city we were at the night before. I just was like in and that's that's like one of those things you gotta be always be present because I just was kinda like in in um I was just kind of in automation. I was just like kind of like a robot and I was just like so I wasn't really paying attention and I said the wrong it's the wrong city <laughs> I forgot where I was I forgot where we were but I definitely came in and I was just like oh I just you know I played it off like oh, I was just trying to make sure y'all are awake oh nice can't remember what city that was but I was just like you, you know, still don't jokes. remember what it was <laughs> sure <laughs> that's why sometimes it's important to be like present and paying attention because mm -hmm. sometimes especially when you're doing a lot of a tour all the time in different cities you just kind of start to become routine and be a robot. You gotta pay attention and cater everything to each place that you're gonna be. You mentioned the research and the practice, and I'm, I'm super interested in the craft of DJing. It's something I've always been interested in, but just, I mean, some people got it and some people commit, you know, and some people don't. So like, what is, when you say like practice and like research, are you just like at home? Are you like have your tables out and you're like working? Yeah, I mean, what makes a good DJ is their combinations of, it's like, it's like, I'm trying to think, it's like building a building, you know, it's like hmm. sometimes when you want to create a building that's super high, there's certain way that you have to build build it block by block. And there's this combinations of songs create a certain emotional reaction. And, and that's what you want. You know what I'm saying? That's the connection that you're talking about. So, you know, you don't want to just be... A jukebox can just play songs, you know what I mean? So you want to create your own signature, so that's what you practice, you know? Like, I might drop an acapella and then play an instrumental under it at a certain point of the night, because I know that during the night, like, I might play an acapella that women are going to like. So if I know that I don't see enough women on my floor, or if I see a lot of women on the floor, I'll drop that, and then the women start singing. And at the end of the day, at a party, if the women are happy, the party's happy, you yep. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's just things that, and plus like at this point, I have thousands of songs in my head. So if I don't go through them and find new ways to play them, you know, I won't stay fresh, you know? Then it's like, if you went to a DJ trauma party a year ago, I'm playing the exact same set a year later, and you're gonna be like, oh, he plays the same music all the time. Same thing with comedy. People so, get tired yeah. of hearing the same stuff. Exactly. How many songs ahead are you when you're DJing? I don't, I'm not really a, I'm not really that many songs ahead. That's why I prepare a lot of times my set so I can, like at least in the beginning, 
so I can like flow like this. And then mm -hmm. you start to catch a vibe and you start to feel the crowd. Um, but I'm usually only a song ahead, to maybe two. I know I have friends who can do that where they are playing like five, six songs ahead. I can't do that. <laughs> Unless I know, it just depends. Like if I know I'm playing this and, I, and then like I want to play reggae at a certain point, I might construct three songs in a row that will lead me towards reggae. You know, maybe down. You know, maybe I'm at a higher tempo. I'm gonna like play a, a set of songs that's gonna make my tempo slower, so then mm. I can play some reggae. So it just depends. Things like that. Sometimes I'll be a few songs ahead, but like usually my parties, I try to be really high energy. So it's kind of like spur of the moment. I kind of just like what's gonna fit here. What's gonna fit here. That's why it's important for me to know my music and practice, because then it's not me trying to figure out what songs to play. They automatically come in my head. That's what it sounds like with stand-up, too, is the better you know your jokes, the better you can just kind of mix and match. Exactly. Yeah. So when, as a DJ, like as a comedian, I, I'm walking around always looking for jokes, like always listening when I'm speaking to people. I'm like, okay, there could be something there or like, think about, oh, man, I got to remember this for later. What's it like as a the DJ? The best invention for me <laughs> as a DJ has been Shazam. Mm. I Shazam the shit out of people. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, I'll be at a party and or I'll be anywhere. I could be anywhere. I could be watching TV. I could, if I hear a song, I'm like, hmm. A lot of times it's like, oh, I haven't heard that in a while. Or, hmm, I want to play that in my next set. So I was just Shazam it. And then, like, I could go, like, say, like, today I'm getting ready to do my show. I could just look through my Shazams. Yeah, I'm going to pull that out. I'm going to pull that out. But, oh, my God. I, I'm always listening, to, listening for new music. Especially now with the computer, you could play, you could have, Every song you ever owned yeah. on your laptop, it gives you the ability and the versatility to play a lot of different things, especially with a Dave show with so many different audiences, different types of people in this audience. I could play anything. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I always look for those records that will inspire somebody when I play it. And I think that's the key thing that I'm always looking for. I want, I want people to have an emotional reaction when I spin. And John, John Mayer was at the show last night. You guys sure. did. Yeah, that was crazy. Did he say anything about your DJing or anything? You guys have a music I, moment? I didn't. I didn't. That show, I didn't DJ. I just, I just, I just did announcements. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, I, you know, I just was a spectator at that one. Just, just getting just, the <laughs> Just watching history be made. I mean, it was amazing. Had John do 30 minutes, Dave do 30 minutes, and then him do about an hour on stage together. What? It was, it was, it was amazing. Dave can play the piano too, right? He can, but he wasn't playing anything. Oh, okay. He was and just... then, like Stevie Wonder's uh, harmonica player, Fred Yannette came out and performed, and he's like the sickest on the harmonica. Mm -hmm. And then they did Purple Rain, which was crazy. And he, he the harmonica player, kind of played like the, the the melody, the the singing parts. It was it was sick. It's... And then like John Mayer came, you know, like the. The, the guitar solo in Purple Rain, he got on and just killed it. It's crazy. It was fun. It was a fun show. I'm just noticing this music in the background. Are you listening to it like as we're speaking? Like I heard it, but I wasn't really listening to it. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know if you're always having ear well, I going. heard it and I was just worried that it, they might be able to hear it on the microphones. But I definitely wasn't listening to the, to the elevator music. Okay. I'm just checking. You know. <laughs> I don't think I'll be playing that anytime soon. <laughs> Let's become. Even spotlight. though I have start, I do start my set sometimes with o Old Fortuna, 
that uh I forgot who does it. It's like a classical uh song. Is that Bach or Beethoven? I think it's I just yeah, named I the only two classical people I know. <laughs> Mozart. It, I feel like it might be one of those. Uh-huh. Maybe Mozart. It's like da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it's like I, when I want to make a big entrance, like I, I did that in, uh, I did that in uh, Croatia, I think. Actually, eyeball festival. That was my. I used to have a, uh, I used to have a video reel that came out when I, uh, before I did my my hype set, uh-huh. and it had I had that. It was kind of crazy because people would just be like, "What's about to happen?" It's such a big record. So even the DJ gets the big intro. Yeah, yeah, I gotta make a statement. You, you're always been savvy on that, and I'm sure it's been. It's just like with stand up. I keep bringing it back, but I feel like there are so many parallels. But like, there are people that are really talented, but the business side, they're just not savvy in. I'm sure the same is with DJs. Absolutely. So like, Absolutely. what what are some what are some things that besides being quality, of course, but what are some things you think you did that really helped you elevate? Uh, I think I learned early in the game about relationships hmm. and, and networking and the importance of, of both. I think that's one thing that has kept me in the game for sure has been my contacts and, and also delivering what I say I'm going to deliver. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't not show up for work or I don't really have, I, I, I try to remain pleasant unless the promoter is just outrageously ridiculous with paying me. Um, <laughs> you know, those things matter. Like, and I mean, I've definitely had my moments where I've like spazzed out on people, but for the most part, you know, I'm like, I love my life. So what am I, what do I need to have an attitude for? So I just stay easy going. Like, I mean, that's how I got this Dave gig. I bumped it to somebody I knew and they were just like, yo, you want to do these shows? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you thought it was David Banner at first. I did, because <laughs> he managed him at the same time at that time too. So, and I was thinking to myself, how does David Banner have eight shows at the Tabernacle? Man, <laughs> I didn't know he was popping like that. Of course, it was. I mean, that's my boy, David Banner. You know, he's, but it definitely was not him. Yeah. <laughs> and now Chappelle doing twelve at the Tabernacle or at the Radio City coming up too. Yeah. Radio City. I'm not even ready for that because I was thinking I was like, yo, I have to create a whole new hype set. I gotta, That's I gotta. Great. Come up You're already with something. thinking that though. I gotta come up with a whole new something. I don't know. I mean, this set that I have now, I kind of been developing it since January, so I probably will do it. But I think there's a, little, a few more elements. I think I can take it to another level. That's so cool to hear how a set is built. Like you're talking about building a set, like a stand-up set. Like it's because yeah. you know, it's, yeah. Because some things sound great in your head, and then you do it, and then people are just like, <laughs> "Yes, no." Because <laughs> even the set that I have now, like uh-huh. I, I had this great idea, and I played it, and it just did not. It didn't do well. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> But they but probably didn't like, notice it not going that yeah, well. You could just it, feel, but I, I guess. Just, yeah, there's a certain level of excitement and enthusiasm that I that I try to generate. So if I'm not getting it, then that, we have to work work <laughs> set out. Because like, yeah, basically, like we everybody, like Dave was starting a fresh set in January. So I wanted to, this Netflix special had come out. So I wanted to start fresh and do something totally different. You know, I mean, I still have elements of older stuff, but. Like I definitely, there's a lot, a bunch of pieces that are totally new. 
so I think that by by August, I should definitely have a really, really tight set. Is it the same with like Dave where he's like, all right, I'm going to weave in a little pop culture, a little racial over here, maybe a little political. Do you, do you have that mindset with music too of like the message of the song you're playing? I don't know if I, no, I don't, can't really say that. Okay. I just didn't know how, how deep it went. It's more of just the vibe and the energy yeah. you're controlling of the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the more of the statement is think outside the box. Don't just be content with the same 40 songs you hear on the radio. Hmm. So I challenge the audience by playing things outside the box. Like if I'm playing hip hop and then all of a sudden I drop Lenny Kravitz, like the song is still jamming, you still know it, you still like it. <laughs> you weren't expecting it, so why not party to it? It made you be like, oh shit. I was like, I wasn't expecting that. So that's more what I, I I'm more trying to challenge the boundaries of what the audience is used to hearing. How big has branding played in your career? Because I know you have a background in promotions, you've done panels yeah. on branding. What it's are some very lessons important. there? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Because especially now with the instantaneous type of culture, like if people don't remember you, you're not, you don't exist tomorrow. So, I mean, it, it's important because, I mean, at this point, like right now, like at this point, I'm more an artist than just a DJ. Uh, you know, like I just, I'm putting out music. Um, and if people don't remember me and remember what I do, then they won't pay attention to my music either. Hmm. So, I mean, branding is important just in general across all business businesses. Like you want, when they say your name, you want them to immediately know what they're getting and who you are. Um, that's how you're able to generate a higher, uh, fee also <laughs> which is the important part to build which that fee a, yeah which is the important part it's one of the important parts i really more want people to just be like i like what you do yeah and and that usually is how you generate more money because if more people are coming to see you then you can uh, charge more money how did you find your brand because i know you started out as dj t squared <laughs> and you kind of grew from there. So, like, how I did, just knew that that was, wasn't it. <laughs> I knew that name wasn't it. I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I I looked my like my name. My name's Tairi. Swahili word means prepared. But I was just like, I want something. I want something with a T. So I just kind of like bounced around. I used to throw this party in uh, Atlanta in college. People would drink and pass out. And then one day I was sitting out in front of the club and a trauma truck pulled up and I was just like, that's it. That's the name. <laughs> from there. And now you're Mr. I am the party. Hmm. So like when people hear your name, is that what you want people to think? Is like, okay, he's the party. Is that yeah. how you boil it down? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, my I like to say that my, my DJing, I like to create a high energy experience so it's just like i want people to know that when they come they're gonna party mm-hmm. it's not just like i am the party like everybody's the party like i want people to to embrace having a good time because i think a lot of times people come to parties and they're not really coming to to have a good time they're just coming to like see people and be seen and i hate that i want people to like want to have a good time you really have a strong sense of community. Like, how, where did that come from? Ooh. Growing up or? Yeah, growing up. 
I mean, if you grew up in the 80s in, in, in New York City, like, hip-hop was kind of like a cult culture. And, you know, people took pride and, and people protected it and you had to be genuine. And so I come from that 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 fold. So, you know, it, it started off being just a community of people who wanted to do something different. So I guess in my mind, I'm always thinking in that mind frame. Which is why you started the Super Friends and all that up here in Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we started that because people didn't respect DJs in mm. Atlanta. You know, they would go, as the music scene in Atlanta, Atlanta came bigger, they still weren't necessarily respecting the DJs. And like I said, that was pre-internet. We were breaking the records. People, those same, art, those artists would be coming to us, to, to the club and begging us to play their record. And then as soon as they get a album release party, they're going to go hire Funkmaster Flex in, mm. in New York City. And you're like, what type of shit is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we like, we the ones who were supporting you. So like, you know, there's, I mean, there's, and there's always also like clubs wouldn't pay the DJs and you're creating this whole type of vibe, creating the experience and you're get walking out of there with $200. Hmm. People were just like, that's that sucks or not getting paid or you me chasing you around the city to get paid it just was a level of respect that just wasn't there and then you know like they say strength in numbers like if everybody and if we're all clicked up and we we had like a specific brand we had we had suvs with our pictures on it wrapped you know what i'm saying a lot of us were on a radio so now like we're talking about our crew and then People come to our parties and they realize, oh, that's the same crew and these guys are just dope DJs. It just recreated a space where you had to respect us. And I mean, we spawned so many different DJ crews in the South just because we, they people were seeing what we were doing and we were going to like, we would go to like different um, DJ conferences and we'd just give out like, 200 t-shirts it's just so like you got everybody just wearing our super friends t-shirt and the brand people were just seeing it and that you could feel you could feel us mm-hmm. and it just it made the respect for the dj in atlanta just so much greater and you think about it now all the big hip-hop djs in atlanta like you got people like dj drama he started with us as a super friend you went to clark with him right yeah he went to clark yeah with him. so i knew him but i'm just saying like his movement and his DJ crew started out of our DJ crew. You had, mm-hmm. you had like the Legion of Doom. You had a, you have like now you have DJ Holiday and he has the Commission. All those, all those spawned out of the Super Friends and 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 just us wanting respect, really. Well, I respect you for taking the time to sit down with me, man. Ah, no problem. Because like you said, the importance of networking. I mean, we we tape like this bossip comedy taping a couple of years ago <laughs> right right we link up don't see each other since and then like you're still willing to sit down after all these years so Absolutely. i appreciate that man i expect the hustle you, I- know? <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah man you understand it so uh before we get out of here is there anything else you want the world to know uh man i want everybody to go check out my single take me high featuring the dan you can get it on itunes spotify pandora Anywhere you could get music, you could find it. So support your boy. It's a dope song. You'll enjoy it. Dope song, dope artist, dope interview. DJ Trauma. Yes. Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you. Dope, dope, dope. 
There you have it. That really sums it up. Just dope interview. Thank you for spending your so much valuable time with me throughout this hot breath episode. Please hang out for a couple more minutes. I would really, really, really appreciate your feedback. I invest hours into each of these episodes, and I would love your feedback on what you like, what you don't like. If you're about to exit out of the intro, how about you hit me up on social media at Joel Byers Comedy. Tell me what you don't like about the outros and how I can improve them so you actually listen to them. Because I like to insert valuable information here in the outros as well. Like if you enjoyed it, you know, the best way for more people to hear about such quality content we're creating here is a simple share. Even if it's just word of mouth. You know, I'm not even asking you to go on Facebook or iTunes and leave a review. Even though I welcome that with open arms. Even just whoever you're sitting, wherever you are. Whoever is sitting next to you or in front of you, go ahead and be like, hey, I just heard this awesome interview on Hot Breath. I think you could really learn from it and find value in it. It's dope. Just tell them it's dope, all that gibberish. Tell them it's a dope interview and they should listen to it. Otherwise, I appreciate you even just taking the time to hang out. So if you want to hang out with me outside of the podverse... Hot breath averse, if you will. I'll be at Java Monkey Indicator this Wednesday. Yes, whatever day you are listening to this, that Wednesday, I will be at Java Monkey Indicator. It's a show I've been hosting almost six years now, every single Wednesday. Really my pride and joy. If you want to hang out with me on Sundays, I teach a comedy class every single Sunday at Highwire Comedy Company in uh, Atlanta, over by Atlantic Station. If you want more info on that, just head to my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. On there, there's a link to the podcast, to my schedule, to how you can book me, to how you can become a sponsor of the podcast, to how you can learn about the class, how you can learn about the book I wrote that is all about writing. It's called Finding Your Funny, the Comics Playbook. We had the cover made by Comedy Artwork, who's an amazing artist, who if you want artwork done, just hit him up on social media, at Comedy Artwork. He'll give you a hot breath discount. But otherwise, all my hot brethren and sisterin, I developed the book just to really help enhance my writing. I don't know if some of you have noticed, I started a 6.30 a.m. hashtag write 10 club where I wake up and right for 10 minutes every day. It's just to get my day going, and in turn, I found people are really enjoying it and really benefiting from it. So always on there, writing in the Finding Your Funny playbook. If you guys want to join the club, you can go to comicsplaybook.com, or there's a link from my website as well under the shop tab. But you don't have to get it. You know, Just start a writing regimen first, and you can move on to the the comics playbook and that helps you get more organized it has a schedule in there it has a joke index it really does help you generate ideas there's a bunch of different charts and different other writing techniques you can start to apply to your joke writing and also has set lists in there and how you can measure your set lists and start to grade them to really go from just doing jokes every single night banging your head against the wall to like okay that joke worked how could i enhance it how can i make three tags for this by the next time i perform how can I add new points of view to this? There's so many different levels and dimensions to joke writing, and we really designed this book, me and Robert, Dr. Robert from MIT, really designed this book to have it a one-stop shop. So it's something I'm super proud of, and I think it's something 
that I only mention because I feel like you can benefit from it. So do with that info what you will. You know, I'm just so thrilled with how this podcast has been progressing and just the guests we keep getting on here. Your support has really helped get a lot of these guests on here. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for your time. I understand those of you who have committed to the outro up to this point. You're the real hot brethren and sister and not those other phonies just listening to the interview and then logging out to get back to driving safely or whatever excuse they have. I think the main take from this interview was research and preparation. So take that with you throughout all of your endeavors. Always be prepared. Always do your research. That's what I do in all these interviews. So thank you so much. And thank you to Amon Garner, my engineer, of course. And thank you to my wife and Hot Breath theme song composer, Aaron Rodgers. Now as we ease into this AM radio voice on this outro, you know that we are now about to adjourn. So until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath. <sighs> Hot breath. As I was researching you, I was like, man, nobody's really interviewed him like this before. So I was yeah, like, not, yeah, not really. Nice. Not really. I'm just usually so chill. Go do what I That's why I wanted to get you, though, because people don't understand, and I didn't really understand until looking into you more, just like, just the influence and impact you have on... Atlanta music, you know? Like, it's, it's impressive, dude. It's super impressive, so. I've been around.